You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. We're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania. And you can listen to us on 87.6, 87.8 and 88 on the FM dial on your radio. Or if you'd prefer, you can tune in using our website, faithfm.com.au or our app, the Faith FM app, which you can get from the App Store. Now, Raiko, every Wednesday we have you joining us and you're up in Burnie and uh, you're going to be continuing your series today, 3MJ. Do you want to just give us a reminder of what 3MJ means? It's based on three chapters in the book of Revelation, chapter 10, chapter 12, and chapter 14. And in chapter 10, you have something that you see the movement um, uh, of, of God's church. And then in Revelation 12 and verse 17, you see that there is a message. And then in Revelation 14, you have the mission. And, and you have uh, in, in Revelation 14, uh, chapter uh, yeah, chapter 14, verses 6 to 12, something called the three angels' messages. So, you know, three MJ, the three M's, yeah. the movement and the message and mission, and J stands for Jesus. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's the code, 3MJ, and uh, later in the program we'll have some offers for you for this program. Uh, and our show number is 0488-880-891. So that's our Tassie Encounters show number. So write that down somewhere, 0488-880-891. We're going to be asking some questions and uh, giving an offer, a free book away. So please write that down and you can take advantage of those offers and also send us some answers to questions. So, Raiko, uh, you've been busy. Uh, I know you're always busy. You've got many things to do and uh, I think three different churches you look after, but I know recently you've uh, done a Prophetica program up in Ulverston, and uh, you're doing some follow-up programs from that as well. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're doing a follow-up program after Prophetica, and it's only two weekends. It's something that's short, um, and we did it already last weekend, and so we have one more weekend uh, this coming Friday and Sunday. It's at the Ulverston Civic Center in the Gawler Room. And uh, what we do is we have, uh, on each night, we have a health talk, and then we have two biblical presentations. So this coming Friday at 6.30 p.m., uh, we have Natasha Jordan. She'll be talking about nutrition uh, for about uh, 5 to 10 minutes. And then we have about 25-minute uh, talks, two talks. Um, David Leo is helping me out. Um, awesome. And so he'll be talking about chaos, confusion, and the return of peace. And then I'll talk on a practical topic on prayer. Now, you're about halfway through those series at the moment. So if somebody wanted to find out more about that, they can uh, contact us. That You can text in 0488-880-891 and just mention the programs that Ryko and David Leo are running in Alveston. Hope, Peace and Eternity, I think, is what they're titled. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So uh, just just text us in and ask us about that program, Hope, Peace and Eternity, and uh, we'll, we'll put you in touch with David and Ryko. Uh, Okay. Um, now, last week, I think you had Tabitha with you and you were talking about Jesus laments Jerusalem. Do you want to give us a recap of that before we get into today's program? Yeah, Jesus is in the temple and he's had a very long day on that Tuesday in the temple, things he had to deal with. And then at the end of it, he said to the religious leaders, how often I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you're just not willing. 
and the he laments over uh, over the people really and over Jerusalem because they've really rejected him mm. and he said your house the temple your house is left unto you desolate but there go- there's going to be a day um, that you're going to say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and this is in relation to the second coming of Jesus okay um, so what are we uh, going to be talking about today we're going to be looking at a quite an extensive passage. Uh, I need to apologize. I did say last week that we're going to be covering Matthew chapter 24, but I realized, hey, there's a little, um, uh, there's a little topic that comes in between that, and that is uh, entitled Jesus in the Outer Court with the Greeks. Okay. And, and it's based on John chapter 12, verses 12 to, uh, sorry, uh, verses 20 to 50. So it's quite a long passage. Okay. And and we're still in uh, the last week of Jesus' ministry. I think, uh, are we past Tuesday yet? No, we're not. There's okay. still a lot more to be dealt with on Tuesday, especially when you go to Matthew chapter 24. We can't just, you know, do that in one presentation. Um, no. An, an awful lot happened on Tuesday. Yes, a lot. And, and uh, you know, it was actually a, a while ago back that it was my wife that actually encouraged me to look at Jesus' final week of ministry, and I put it off for quite a long time. And so once I started this project, I'm realizing, whoa, this is not just a quick thing. This is big. Um, this is bigger than I thought. And, and, and I think in the very first episode, I, I talked about, for example, how one quarter of the book of Luke is on Jesus' final week of ministry. One third of Matthew is on Jesus Christ's final week of ministry. Nearly half the book of John mm. is just on Jesus' final week of ministry. And and one thing, um, the person that's listening, the the interesting thing is the more I study the final week of Jesus' ministry, the more I see applications applicable to end-time events. Um, The things that Christ went to, God's people will go very similar through before Christ comes back again. Okay, okay. Well, we need to get into our study today. Would you like to uh, pray to kick us off? Yep, let's have a prayer. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, uh, I think of uh, what it says there in Desire of Ages on page 83, that it would be a good uh, um, to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplating the life of Christ, especially the closing scenes. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we look at John chapter 12, um, verses 20 to 50, Lord, there's a lot in there, but we just pray that you will help us through and that the Holy Spirit will guide us. Lord, may we have fun studying the Word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, kick us off, uh, Jason, John chapter 12, verse 20. Okay, let's get into it. And it's titled, The Fruitful Grain of Wheat. Uh, Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. This feast here, this is in relation to the feast of the Passover. And these Greeks, they are non-Jews. We call them Gentiles. But it's interesting, they came to worship at the feast. And in a previous episode, we talked about what a proselyte is. Do you remember what a proselyte is? Uh, Is that somebody who is not a Jew, who is coming in to worship as a Jew? Yeah, they're they're a convert to Judaism. But these guys are not converts to Judaism. They're almost like half-proselytes. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, he talks about how there would be foreigners that would come and worship. But they were not allowed in the temple part. They would only be allowed to be in what is called or restricted to the court 
of the Gentiles or the outer court. And that's why this uh, episode is entitled Jesus in the Outer Court with the Greeks. Okay. Uh, Verse 21, please. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Think about this. These Greeks, did they go directly to Jesus? No, they came to Philip. Philip. Who is uh, associated with Jesus, but yeah. Now, does the Bible text ever say why they went to Philip rather than Jesus? Uh, I don't think so. No, it doesn't say it doesn't say it. Yeah. Okay. By the way, this passage of Scripture that we're looking at today and studying, it only appears in the book of John. It right. doesn't appear anywhere else. Okay. So we don't know why they first went to Philip. But keep in mind, the name Philip, it has a Greek origin. Right. And the name. Um, you know, and the Greeks, they were Hellenistic. So maybe they were able to relate to Philip a little bit easier. You know, when you're coming from the similar country or similar background or ethnicity, you can kind of relate with those people a little bit easier. Yeah. So maybe they felt comfortable going to Philip first. Yeah. Read the next Bible verse. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention something really important here. What did these Greeks say to Philip? They said they wanted to see Jesus. Yeah. They said, sir, you know, they're very polite. Mm. We desire to see Jesus. You know, we wish to see Jesus. And, you know, I don't know about you, Jason, but I really wish and desire to see Jesus Mm. face to face. Yeah, yeah, that's Uh, that's an important point. (laughs) you, You know, keep in mind, Jesus was dealing with a pretty challenging day. Dealing with these Jewish religious leaders, and then he laments over Jerusalem, Oh, how often I wanted to gather you uh, together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And it's interesting what Desire of Ages on page 621 says. It says, When Christ heard the eager request, We would see Jesus, or we desire to see Jesus, echoing the hungering cry of the world, his countenance lighted up. Wow, wow, there are people who are interested in knowing something more. Mm. And so his countenance lighted up. Okay, verse 22. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus this answered, is, just, sorry, just stop yeah. there. Just stop there. Isn't this... Look at the line of communication here. Yep. The Greeks went to Philip, Philip. first, and Philip, Philip went to... Andrew. And then they both, both went to Jesus. To Jesus. Yeah. Now, I obviously have again the question, why did Philip go to Andrew? I guess because of a relationship. Maybe he felt that Andrew uh, you know, was closer to Jesus. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, again, the Bible verse doesn't tell us. Mm-hmm. But you know, Andrew was also another Greek name. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, had Greek ancestry. And these two guys, blokes, they spent three and a half years with Jesus. This is Philip and Andrew. So I don't know um, why he went. But again, when you're coming f- from a similar background, you can relate to people a little bit easier. Um, I remember one time there was a guy here in, in, in Australia. He worked in a um, ethnic church, and he had a pretty challenging time. And you know, coming from that Eastern European kind of background, I I, I understand some of these people. And so he said, "I don't know what to do." Raiko. I said mm. to him, "Preach to them the mark of the beast for forty-five minutes, and the last fifteen minutes bring it to the cross." <laughs> 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 and, and you know what he did after that? He kissed me on both of my cheeks. You know, <laughs> like a European. But, you know, um, Desire of Ages on page 622 tells us how Jesus goes out to these um, Greeks and he has a personal interview with them. I think we need to take a break, Jason. 
We do, and uh, our first song today is Michael W. Smith, Above All. Let's have a listen to this great song.
Listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and we're talking with Raiko Chelich today. And uh, we've been talking about the Greeks who have come to talk with Jesus. Now uh, we'll move straight on, I guess. Uh, Raiko, continuing passage of uh, reading the passage of John chapter 12, and I think we're up to verse 23. Yes, Jason, thanks. Can you please read that, mate? Yeah, sure. So it says, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Let's pause there. Thank you, Jason. So in verse 23, it says the Son of Man, that's Jesus, should be glorified. The Mm. hour has come or the time has come. And and prior to this, there has been a number of times in the book of John, like chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 7, verse 30, and chapter 8, verse 20, where Jesus said in his ministry, the hour has not yet come, but now it's come. it's, It's coming closer and closer to him dying on the cross mm. and it mentions he would be glorified which means he'll be honored he would be magnified and we know from the context of this chapter too that it would happen when he would die on the cross mm. but verse 24 is an interesting verse um, can you read that again yeah it says assuredly i say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much grain You know, I got you to read that again because sometimes you need to read things two or three times over Mm. just to kind of, because when you read this at first, first, um, the first time, it may sound a little bit weird or strange. Yeah. And you know, what is it talking here about uh, a kernel of wheat or a grain of wheat? You know, it's it's buried in the ground and dies. Mm. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done gardening where you've planted some seeds and you're expecting uh, things to shoot up but it doesn't shoot up? Yes, I'm sure that has happened. I can't think of a specific example, but yes, I'm sure that has happened. And, okay. And, and equally, <laughs> the other way where things have sh- sprouted up that I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, there was a last, was it last year or was it beginning of this year? I think it was beginning of this year. I planted some strawberry seeds mm. and I followed the instructions and, you know, I thought it's the right time and everything. And here I am waiting for it. And, you know, in the packet, it would say something like between 10 to 14 days, it should shoot up. Well, it never shot up. Yeah. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And I was so busy, I didn't have time to attend to the garden. And then a few weeks later, I come and guess what? It shot up. Yeah. And I thought it was, you know, it would die. And here it says also, uh, towards the end of verse 24, it produces much grain. So what you see here is there's multiplication. Mm. And it does mention here, and it talks about a grain of wheat. And I remember watching a video on YouTube where one wheat seed could yield like 15 seeds. Wow, that's, you know, quite a lot of multiplication. Uh, in the parable of the sower, which you can also read in Mark 4, it says in Mark 4, verse 8, But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Mm. 
You know, there's something special in a seed that it's got this life-germinating principle in it. And Jesus here is using a, a, a simple illustration from nature. What do you think Jesus is really talking here about, Jason? I am guessing that we're leading up to Christ's death and resurrection. I'm, I'm thinking that it's got something to do with that. You're totally right. And let me read you this. This comes from a commentary. It says, A simple illustration from nature. A kernel of wheat placed in the soil dies as a grain of wheat, but life is not destroyed. There is in a kernel a germ of life that the dissolution of the kernel cannot destroy. In the growth of the new plant, the one kernel becomes many kernels. However, such multiplication does not take place if the seed is not cast into the ground. Mm. So it was with Jesus. If he had chosen not to die for the guilty race, he would have remained alone. The human race would have perished and there would have been no harvest of souls for the kingdom. By his death, Jesus brought life to all who would fix their faith in him. Mm. And so, oh, it multiplies. People believed in him. I want to just mention something else. Think about Jesus and the beginning of uh, when Jesus came into this world, he was uh, born. He, he is both God and man, and that's a mystery. And there were people that came to see him. Can you read my mind, Jason? Do you know who I'm thinking about? The three wise men, is that what you The three wise men, yeah. yeah. Where did they c- come from? Uh, from the east. They came from the east, okay? And they came to Israel from the east. Yeah. But now think about the Greeks. Where did they, where, you know, geographically, you know, when you look at Greece, where is it from Israel? I think it's west. It's so, west. Yeah. yeah. My geography is so not real good, but I think it's west. Uh, that's okay, mate. So, so, so they came from the west to Israel. Yeah. You know, Desire of Ages on page 621 says this. These men, talking about the Greeks, came from the West to find a Savior at the close of his life, as the wise men had come from the East at the beginning. At the time of Christ's birth, the Jewish people were so engrossed with their own ambitious plans that they knew not his advent. The Magi from a heathen land came to the manger with their gifts to worship the Savior. So these Greeks, representing the nations, tribes, and peoples of the world, came to see Jesus. So the people of all lands and all ages would be drawn by the Savior's cross. So shall many come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, as it says there in Matthew 8, verse 11. So I Mm. thought that was pretty cool to share. Mm. So, yeah, it's indicating that many, many who come, well, those who come to Jesus, regardless of where you've come from, will be saved. Right, right. Well, let's continue. John 12, verse 25. 25 says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Do you want me to keep going? Yes, please. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Thank you, Jason. So here in verse 25, there's two options here. Um, It talks about love your life or hate your life. But in the context is, we're talking here about this world. And when it says love your life, the word life here in the Greek is psyche, which means life, mind, or soul. So if you love your life in this world, you're going to lose it. And uh, if you hate your life in this world, you know, you're going to keep it for eternal life. And, you know, this world has 
a lot to offer. Um, and the Bible says, love not the world or the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is found in 1 John 2.15. And I believe it's Hebrews chapter 11 where uh, these things that are in the world are just temporary. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can be pleasurable, but it's just temporary. You know, who do you truly love? Do you love the world or do you love God? And verse 26 is all about servanthood, mm-hmm. you know, being, a, being a, a servant for God. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And it talks about this in the New Testament. We're a priesthood, but in the Old Testament, we study the, we study the Old Testament to understand this better. You know, when you're a priest in the Old uh, Testament, it's all about sacrifice of life and sacrifice of service. And I ask even myself this question, what kind of servant am I? You know, am I willing to serve God? You know, do I have a self-denying attitude for God? Uh, do I have a self-sacrificial attitude for God? You know, let me read uh, these uh, two sentences. The first sentence is this, and I didn't come up with this. This comes from Dissolve Ages on page 623. The law of self-sacrifice is the law of self-preservation. Let me read that again. The law of self-sacrifice is the law of self-preservation. You know, there are people, uh, you know, they, they know about God, but what sacrifice are they doing for God? Mm. You know, by, by being a servant, it helps you and it preserves you in, in some way. It preserves you. But then let me read this other sentence. The law of self-serving is the law of self-destruction. Whoa. You know, if there's, you know, throughout this whole episode, you know, if there's one thing to take away, it's probably these two points. The law of self-sacrifice is the law of self-preservation. The law of self-serving is the law of self-destruction. And again, I ask those questions, you know, what kind of servant are you? You know, what kind of servant am I? You know, am I willing to serve God? Do I have a self-denying um Attitude and a self-sacrificial attitude for God. And the good news is that in this Bible verse, when we serve God, if anyone serves me, Jesus said here in John 12, verse 26, if anyone serves me, him my Father will honor, my Father will glorify um, and uplift. And I, I want to be honored by God. I see we our time uh, has run out for this section, and we're going to go for a break, aren't we, Jason? We are, we are, for sure. And I just want to, uh, you know, hone in on this um, text here that let him follow me. You know, when when we follow God, there's, there's another phrase that we're going to get to later in uh, this passage that talks about uh, light and following the light. Mm. And I want to ask a question of our listeners, which is, what does it mean to you to be living in the light? And we haven't got into the study yet, but what does it mean to you to be living in the light? In the light, you can text us your answer on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. We'd love to hear your answer to that question. What does it mean to you to be living in the light? Zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. We're going to go to this song now. It's called "The Wonder of the Cross." This is by Gabe Wilson and Amy Little.
Beautiful song, The Wonder of the Cross. Welcome back to Tassie Encounters. You're listening to our series 3MJ with Raiko Chelich. And uh, we just asked a listener question. We really do uh, encourage you to send us uh, your thoughts on this. What does it mean to you to be living in the light? We're going to be talking about this a bit more uh, shortly. So uh, where would you like to take us now, Raiko? Let's go to John chapter 12 and verse 27. Can you please read that for us? Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father. Oh, sorry. I went too far. (laughs) Well, read verse 28 and 29. Okay. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Uh, Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Mm, Thanks. So in verse 27, he says, my soul is what? Troubled. It's troubled, right? And, And this word for soul, in the Greek, it can mean my life, my mind. It is troubled. And, uh... He's already saying, Father, save me from this hour. Mm. Now, what hour is he talking about? I think he's talking about the uh, the crucifixion. The crucifixion, right? Perhaps. But he, perhaps, right? I, I do think he's thinking about that, but I do think he's thinking about something else as well. Because he says here, my soul is troubled. And when we go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38, the context there is talking about the Garden of Gethsemane experience. Mm. And Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Mm. And it's interesting, he uses that word soul, my life, my mind, which is the same Greek word you find here. My soul is troubled. You know, my hour is going to come. And you know, Really, his agony uh, started not on the cross, but in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm. And so, so was that before this time or after the Garden of Gethsemane? It was after. Okay. So you know, about three days later. Yeah. Because right. this is Tuesday. Yeah. And so he's going to be experiencing this on um, biblically what is known as Friday, but for us it's known as Thursday night. Yes. Right. And Dissolve Ages on page six hundred and twenty-four says this. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. So he quotes here John chapter 12, verse 27, and then he says this, In anticipation, Christ was already drinking the cup of bitterness. Remember, you know, um, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, right? This is symbolic, and in, in that cup, this is God's cup of wrath, which is actually for the wicked when you go to Revelation but you know Christ tasted death for every man according to Hebrews 2 verse 9 and it says his humanity shrank from the hour of abandonment when to all appearance he would be deserted even by God when all would see him stricken smitten of God and afflicted so yes it's the garden of Gethsemane experience but it's also even the crucifixion yeah. you know? and but he's already thinking about these things is it is it uh, even more than um uh, the 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 death, but also that uh, you know when Christ died, he called out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" And is it that separation from from God the Father that he was um, perhaps 
uh, troubled by as well. Yes, because even in this quotation, it mentions abandonment and being deserted by God, mm. right? So he's already thinking about these things. And, and in, in verse 28, he says, Father, glorify your name. Mm. Yeah? Glorify your name. And then there was this voice that was heard. And the people thought um, that it was the voice of an angel. Mm. But the voice thundered. Mm. And it's interesting um, when we study the scriptures, um, the Bible tells us that God's voice is like a thunder. Mm. Uh, you read this in Job 37, verse 2, verse 4, verse 5, Job chapter 40, verse 9, Psalms chapter 77, verse 18, and Psalms 104, verse 7. So this is the voice of God, and the people heard it. They thought it was an angel's voice, but it was the voice of God saying, let me just read it here again. It says, um, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Mm. You know, I've glorified it already. And you just go to the previous chapter, John chapter 11, and and you read how um, Jesus would be glorified through, you know, Lazarus died and Lazarus was raised from the dead. But in the future, Jesus Christ would die, but it would also be glorified because he would be resurrected. Resurrected, yeah. Yeah, he would be resurrected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about the voice of God to his son, Jesus, we see uh, the voice of God right there in the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he got baptized. We hear the voice of God also on the Mount of Transfiguration and now towards the end of his ministry. Uh, John chapter, you know what's amazing? We sometimes read these Bible verses so quickly that we don't see these things. And, you know, it's good to meditate and ponder upon these things. John chapter 12, and please read verse 30 and 31. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Mm, Let's talk about this. Mm. And and read verse 32, verse 32 as well. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Here it mentions in verse 31, the judgment of this world. That word judgment can also mean the condemnation, the punishment of this world. And now the ruler of this world. Who's the ruler or the prince of this world? I think that's the devil. Yeah, it's the devil, right? Mm. So things changed when sin entered. And it's pretty clear when you go to John 14 and 16, it talks about the prince of this world. It's Satan, right? Mm. But we know that the rightful owner of this world is God. Mm. And it mentions he will be cast out. And in the context, I got you to read the next Bible verse, in the context of when Christ is lifted up, which is actually talking about his death, the cross, right? Yeah. And... Someone might be saying, but wasn't the devil cast out already out of heaven, according to Revelation 12, already some 4,000 years prior to this? Well, yes. And the word for cast there in Revelation 12, verse 9, is a different word in the Greek than here. Uh, In Revelation 12, verse 9, the word for cast in the Greek is balo, which means to throw, to cast out, to throw down and thrust. But here in John 12, verse 30, the Greek word for cast here is ekbalo, which means to eject, 
to expel. See, do you remember in Job chapter 1, you have the sons of God and the Septuagint um, translates it as angels. They presented themselves before God. Mm-hmm. We don't know where this was. This was somewhere in the universe. Some people have said it's heaven. It doesn't appear to be because uh, Satan was cast out of heaven. But somewhere in the universe, the angels presented themselves before God. And who came along? Uninvited. The devil. Mm. And then I read elsewhere uh, in a book called, uh, I believe it's Early Writings, where when Christ died on the cross, Satan was even further restricted, where he couldn't just talk to the angels of God or, 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 you know, say something to them. So, this is an important Bible verse too. In verse 32, let's read it again. I'll read it again. And it says, And I, this is Jesus saying, If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all what? Peoples. To myself. But what do you notice about the word peoples? It's in italics. (laughs) So if it's in italics, what does that mean? It probably means uh, it might either be added or um, I'm not sure exactly in this context. It means it was added. Right, okay. So it should really be read like this. And if I'm lifted up, I will draw all to myself. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the plan of salvation and the and the great controversy, you know what? It's not just impacting this little world here, but it it it, it impacts the whole universe. Mm. And, and and this this makes it pretty clear from this quotation uh, in a book called Patriarchs and Prophets, page sixty eight. It says, "But the plan of redemption had yet a broader and deeper purpose than the salvation of man. It was not for this alone, for Christ came to the earth. It was not merely that the inhabitants of this little world might regard the law of God as it should be regarded, but it was to vindicate the character of God before the universe. And, and so it says, to this result of his great sacrifice, its influence upon the intelligences of other worlds as well as upon men, the Savior looked upon, uh, f- looked forward when just before his crucifixion he said, now the judgment of this world, now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all unto me. The act of Christ in dying for the salvation of man would not only make heaven accessible to man but before all the universe it would justify God and his son in their dealing with the rebellion of Satan it would establish the perpetuity of the law of God and would reveal the nature and results of sin I think that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. We need to go to another break, and just before we do, our offer, our book offer for today is The Desire of Ages. You've been reading many uh, passages from that, and uh, immediately after the break, we'll give you the code, but our number, I'll give you that now, is 0488880891. This is Called Me Higher by All Sons and Daughters. I could just sit I could just sit and wait for all your goodness Hope to feel your presence And I could just stay I could just stay right where I am And hope to feel you Hope to feel something again From the inside 
Call Me Higher by All Sons and Daughters. Now, I did promise that after the break, we would give you the code to our free book offer today. That's the Desire of Ages, and the code is 3MJ and the number 1. Just text those numbers and letters, the number 3, the letters M and J, and then the number 1, no spaces, 
and text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and we can get you a copy of that book that uh, Ryko has quoted many times from. Now, uh, Ryko, we've got only about five minutes left, so we've got lots to cover. Yeah, and we're not even halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, we just talked about where Jesus said, and if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. Yes. It's not just for this earth, but for the whole universe. And then in verse 33 it says, This is said signifying by what death he will die. Verse 34, The people answered him, this is the Greeks, We have heard from the Lord. This is in relation to the Old Testament scriptures, that Christ remains forever or the Messiah will live forever. Now you're talking about he's going to die. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So they were a bit confused with all of this Mm. um, because there were Old Testament passages backing up that the Messiah would be forever, but there's also passages that he would be cut off, like in Isaiah chapter 53. Mm. Verse 35 and verse 36. Can you please read that for us, Jason? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Mm. Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Mm. What's our listener question today? Our listener question is, what does it mean to you to be living in the light? And we have had uh, a response to that. Stephen from New South Wales says, Jesus said, I am the light. He also said, we are the light. So to live in the light is to be the light. I think that's a fantastic answer. Thanks, Stephen, for texting in. Mm -hmm. And, and, And just to add to that, thank you, Stephen. And just to add to that, you know, we are the light too. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, mm. you know, it, it's to be a witness. Mm. A- and uh, it's not just keeping it to yourself. And Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light. But it says here, you know, to believe in the light that you may become sons of the light, like that which means you are descendants of the light. You know, we are the children of God. Mm. Um, As we continue reading this passage, and I can see our time's running out, from verse 37 to 41, um, and by the way, this is the last thing Jesus said to to these Greeks, and then he left the temple. Verse 37 to verse 41 is really interesting. John, the author, he inserts this, and he reports about Jesus, in, and I almost call it a footnote. And then from verse 42 and onward, there are words that John is recording about Jesus, about walking in the light. So let's just read some of these passages. Yeah. Uh, verse 42 and onwards. Can you just read that for us, Jason? Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I do not come, into, I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. 
and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Mm, thanks for reading that. In verse 44 here, there's this concept of belief in Jesus. In verse 45, it's about seeing Jesus. Verse 46, abiding in Jesus. Verse 47, hearing Jesus. Verse 48, receiving Jesus' words. And verse 49, it's the authority of Jesus. Mm. So we, we see that Jesus, he spoke to these Greeks. And, you know, God has his people out there today. And they're willing to also have a personal interview, to so speak, with Jesus, to get to know Christ better. You know, I want to finish with these words. The Bible says, And if I am lifted up, I will draw Jason to myself. Mm. And if I am lifted up, I will draw Raiko to myself. And if I am lifted up, I will draw Stephen to myself. And if I am lifted up, I will draw Mandy to myself. You know, the whole universe. You know, it's we can just put our name there. Um, and I guess I want to ask. I want to finish with asking just a few questions here. You know, these Greeks they desired to see Jesus. And the question is, do you desire and wish to see Jesus? Do you want to walk in the light? Do you want to be descendants or sons of the light? Do you want to believe in Christ? Do you want to see Jesus one day physically? Do you want to abide in the light in Jesus? Do you want to hear Jesus? Do you want to receive Jesus' words? Do you want to accept the authority of Jesus in your life? And uh, I hope you do, and that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. That's fantastic, Raiko, a, a fantastic summary from today, and uh, I appreciate the study. I hope our listeners have also really learned something from it, and... Uh, and got a message and I do thank you for your interaction and uh, please do text in the 3MJ1 if you'd like to grab a copy of the book The Desire of Ages now next week what have you got for us next week Raiko? Next week we'll be diving into Matthew chapter 24. We'll be talking about deception in the last days and false Christ. Okay. And tomorrow with Peter Watts on Searching for Certainty, Playing by the Rules. I wonder what that's going to be about. I'll look forward to listening to that. That'll be with Tabitha tomorrow. And uh, as we go out, we're going to listen to this song by Anna Weatherup. It's called At the Cross. I do hope you have a great day wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Alas, and did my Saviour bleed? Did my sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for someone such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. And it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for Christ that I have done He suffered on a tree Amazing beauty, grace unknown And I've been Cross at the cross where I first saw